0: hi everyone welcome to live your dream podcast i'm your host Lena. in this episode i talked to hoonie kim who's a chef and owner at restaurant tanji and hanjan in new york city We talk about how once an aspiring doctor became a chef, and his experience of working at Daniel and Masa, and why he decided to open a Korean restaurant after working at a French and Japanese restaurant. Also, Huni talks about the most difficult time in his chef career, which was right after he opened his first restaurant, Tanji. I actually remember being invited to the friends and family dinner the night before it officially opened and at the time there was really no other upscale Korean restaurant in New York City and I remember being a little bit nervous about how it was going to be received by the diners in New York. he's actually one of the people I wrote about in my book. And when I first interviewed him, he had just recently opened Tanji. And later on, I actually had to revise my story about him to include the fact that Tanji had just received a Michelin star. It was the first time a Korean restaurant in the U.S. had received the prestigious distinction. And I remember being so proud of him. So I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. So thank you so much for being here. You're the first person I interviewed for my book and also the first person to interview for the podcast. So it's a really meaningful moment for me. So thank you. And I'm really excited. So I have uh, many questions, um, but I want to first start with your childhood. Um, Where were you born and where did you grow up?
1: Um, I was born in Korea. I was born in Seoul. I lived in Seoul until I was... uh... I think, three years old. Um, and then I moved to England uh, with my mom um, and lived there till I was about 10. And then since then, I've been living in New York most of my life. Um, went away to California for uh, undergraduate school uh, for a little bit, and then I moved, back t- moved back to New York.
0: How was your uh, childhood like? Were your parents strict?
1: Um, You know, having... My father died when I was two, so I uh, grew up in a single-parent household. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mother wasn't that strict, but I knew that um, I had to fend for myself a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to boarding school as my first school experience in England when I was four years old. Hmm. So that, I think, helped me become a little bit more independent. Um, The structure, the discipline uh, that they have in British boarding schools actually helped me quite a bit in um, my studies, my, you know, just not doing dumb things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, you know, my schooling was not very difficult. When I came to the U.S., I basically, um, my mom was busy with uh, school at first and then her own business. Um, So a lot of the school decisions I made on my own, for instance, what high school I went to, Mm, uh, which college I went to and deciding to leave for California, my mom wasn't very happy with. But I thought, you know, at 18 years old, um, I needed to sort of stay or not stay, but get away from my mother a little bit. I see. Um, to for both of us, mm-hmm. to, so we can sort of find ourselves, um, and and you know I thought that was a very good decision, um, and since then you know I basically lived on my own, um, just as any you know American would uh, after you graduate college, you're you're on your own. I went to um, well decided to go to medical school not because. I was very into medicine, but, you know, my mother or any Korean mom would recommend right. w- or would insist their son or their daughter to become uh, a doctor or a lawyer. And I was always good at science. I went to Bronx Science, a uh, very science-oriented uh, high school. I went to UC Berkeley, which is also a very science-oriented school. So. Um, You know, choosing the path of medicine was not a very difficult choice. But to be honest, I I really didn't have a passion for anything else I would rather do. So I did something that sort of, I guess, made my mom happy.
0: I see. So transition from medicine to becoming a chef. I'm sure it wasn't a very easy one.
1: (laughs) Mm, You know, now I would think people wouldn't really uh, consider it uh, a difficult or an odd choice mm-hmm. to change from medicine into, into cooking because um, now we know that cooking, there's so much science behind cooking with, um, with molecular gastronomy, with just the whole health factor.
2: Right.
1: uh knowing understanding understanding the chemicals that go into our food, the the physical changes in in cooking of the food. but back then, which was, um, I would say 15 years ago um yeah uh, <laughs> cooking uh, being a chef was a very blue collar career. Um, it wasn't a professional career um, that people thought of. Um, It wasn't a safe career. It wasn't a very respected career. So, you know, the biggest challenge was um, trying to prove to people, uh, my mother, my friends, um, that it wasn't a big step down.
0: And how did you convince them, including your mother?
1: Uh, (laughs) um, You know, it, it was, I had to prove that, I was happy with what I was doing and that I was good at what I was doing. And um, the level of success that can be attained, the level level of pride mm-hmm. that can be attained while being a chef was uh, a significant uh, factor right. that happiness can be achieved. Yeah. Um, and you know, the best way to do that was really initially to avoid them (laughs) and to work really hard. Right. Um, Six, seven days a week, 16, 18 hours a day. Wow. Just just try to absorb uh, as much as you can in in information and experience. So later, when you are given the opportunity to sort of show what you've got, Mm -hmm. you you have the ammunition. So... um, yeah, I I really didn't talk too much about what I was doing, what I wanted to do, why I did it. I just worked really hard.
0: Mm-hmm. How did your mom first react when you know, being a Korean mother? I'm sure <laughs> she was like, "Oh, my son um, is gonna become a doctor." You so know,
1: it's it's funny and unfortunate that the 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 exact time that I did change was when I got married, the first year I got married, right, uh, and. Um, you know, my mother blamed my wife. (laughs) Not in that, you know, my wife made me change my career, but why she didn't stop me.
0: Interesting. Um, What do you think about that? Do you think she could have?
1: You know, I would have never even dared drop out of medical school to cook if I didn't have the full 100% support of my wife. Right. Uh, Because it was something that that I was very, um, not afraid to do, but Mm. I just didn't think it was right. Why did
0: you not think it was right?
1: Because I was still in the impression that my mother and all my friends were right and that being a chef was not as good as being a doctor.
0: So why did you do it?
1: A um, couple of things. Um, I, I realized that, uh, well, I was watching my wife mm-hmm. work as an attorney, right, uh, in a very good firm, um, a very successful uh, career for her, and she hated it. <laughs> right. She absolutely hated what she was doing, and she was miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I realized. You know, I that could be me when 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 I'm a doctor because I just didn't have this passion mm. for for medicine, just like my wife didn't have a passion for law, mm. um, and I didn't want to be that. And you know, as smart as my wife is, and and was as an attorney, she wasn't excelling. In, in her career, just because her passion wasn't there. She didn't want to excel. And for me, I did not want to be a so-so doctor. You know, whatever I I was or what was to become, I wanted to be a good one. And from then, you know, I realized, you know, there's a big chance that even if I become a doctor, I'm going to be a not-so-very-good one. And that made me, made me really think, um, well, you know, if my choice was to become a very good chef versus uh, a middle-of-the-road doctor, mm-hmm. I thought being a chef would make me happier.
0: You know, uh, hearing um, your experience of choosing this new career path, but I can't even imagine, you know, because I went to law school and mm. dropping out like the last semester after all that work you put Through and your parents are so proud of you. Graduation is around the corner. You can become a doctor, and you know where did you get the courage? How did you do it? Um,
1: uh, You know, to be honest, I I didn't drop out of medical school initially. Uh, What I did was I took a one year sabbatical, (laughs) Uh, and then in that sabbatical I went to culinary school, Um, and then when that one year was up, I was actually interning at this um, this dream job, uh, a restaurant called Danielle. Right. And I was a non-paid intern, and they offered me a job. Yeah, and that was about uh, a month before I went back to medical school. Uh, and for me, that's when I think where I really had to decide whether to go back to medical school um, or to actually get paid cooking at yeah. my dream restaurant. Um,
0: so, how did you decide?
1: You know, but. I- at that time, it wasn't really much of a decision. It really was um, six months, one year, maybe five years down the line, what would I regret more? Oh,
0: Um, interesting.
1: Not pursuing this career, new career, or a choice in cooking where I knew I was good, uh, and, I was at this job that people, you know, worked 10 years. They worked really hard to get a job at Danielle. But luckily, I was able to get a job right off the bat there. Um, You know, that was a great opportunity. You know, getting into medical school, I understand, was a great opportunity too. But for what? To become a so-so doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, And... You know, basically, I had to sort of, you know, when you think about it, you think five years from now, I would probably regret not pursuing uh, this this uh, culinary career more if I turned it down. So um, it was it was easy. It was just, you know, I was happy with what I was doing. I was proud of my progression in, in, in cooking. Um, I was so impressed by the chefs who were working at Danielle mm-hmm. uh, and, and more so than the, the neurosurgeons that I work with um, in, in medicine. Um, so, you know, when, when you, especially when you're young, um, you uh, are in awe of people who are very good at your, your field right. um, and, and you want to become like them. And for me, it was the chefs who were more um, my idols mm. than than the doctors. Huh?
0: Um, you looked up to them more. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, so you know, it was just looking within. You know, my my soul was telling me right. which way to go. Yeah. And yeah.
0: But you know. Um, your wife was, you're recently married. Your wife is working at this law firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know your wife, Ariel, is just a good friend of mine. Uh-huh. We worked at the same law firm together. So I know how tough it is to work at a law firm. Mm. But yet in the Korean standard, Korean American standard, you know, yeah, people might think that, hey, a doctor-lawyer couple is a better match than... Than a chef, right? Did you ever think about um, that? Because I talked to Catherine about this, so, you know, I'd be curious to hear. Well,
1: Catherine was smarter <laughs> was smart enough to know that two unhappy people
0: uh,
1: in in living in the same household, working in two very stressful careers that they weren't fond with, is, is more uh, a recipe for destruction or a failed marriage <laughs> than... Um, than you know having one person who's very happy with, with what they're doing, uh, yeah. maybe not making a lot of money, uh, but, you know she, from her experience I think, gave me the the direction gave me permission to really, uh, do what made me happy.
0: Right, you are. A lucky guy (laughs) married to a wise woman. Yes, all
1: her friends keep reminding me. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Um, So how did you first develop an interest in cooking and food and the idea of becoming a chef?
1: Um, So I, living in New York, it's difficult not to be a foodie. Uh, And the fact that my mother didn't cook because she was so busy, um, I was eating out constantly starting uh, even in junior high. Uh, and definitely in high school, I remember uh, my first fine dining experience was, uh, I think, when I was a junior. So that must oh, have been wow, 1989, 1990. <laughs> but in New York, in, living in Manhattan, that's what you did. You right. you went to, we didn't have malls to go to. Uh, we, we didn't go to the theaters. Um, we were too young to go to the bars. Uh, but we went to these uh, nice restaurants with... Um, these private school girls that <laughs> nice. um, that you know, and we go spend two, three hours um, eating and and sometimes drinking wine when, when you're junior
0: high school. <laughs>
1: no, no fine dining. Yeah, it, it happened in high school, yeah. but um, you know, still I think restaurants when it comes to wine, especially European restaurants, are yeah. okay right, with right. with uh, you know younger patrons mm-hmm. uh, enjoying a glass of wine with their dinner and you know I fell in love with the theatrics mm-hmm. um, of the whole presentation the whole uh, almost um, a routine mm-hmm. uh, that these uh, servers these waiters the captain the sommeliers all they sort of have to do while trying to entertain the guests I see. Um, and it, it was fun um, to, to be uh, sort of I would say taken care of during your meal. So I felt very comfortable at restaurants at a young age. Um, I, I loved eating out, um, living in New York. There's so many different options. You know, Within a three block radius, you can have the best Italian, Korean, Japanese, Chinese, Greek, um, all these different cuisines. So I took full uh, advantage of that and became a foodie at a very young age. Now, that never really transferred into wanting to be a chef. Um, Back then, chefs weren't on TV. This was before the Food Network. That's right. Um, But I did want to learn how to cook some of the things that I really enjoyed eating. And that led me into going to culinary school for just a nine-month program um, during my sabbatical. And... You know, luckily my program really, um, they wanted us to get field experience. So they recommended, uh, interning at other restaurants. And I was able to do that as a student. And that's when I sort of really realized, um, cooking as a career Mm -hmm. is fun. I, it's rewarding. It's, it makes people happy, um, and that's when I started considering.
0: How was it like working at the kitchen of Danielle and Masa?
1: Um, so I still believe Danielle is the toughest kitchen in this country to work for, mm-hmm. um, to work in. Um, I've worked at Masa, I've worked at many different other kitchens besides that, but Danielle is, is one of those restaurants where there is 140 seats. And we will do on a Friday night, 350, 360 covers.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, and you can't make a mistake. Wow. So, and it's not like we had more cooks than other kitchens. Um, you know, we had the same number of cooks as, let's say, a Per Se or, or uh, Le Bernardin, where there's only 60, 80 seats. But we have 140 seats. So we had to come in earlier. We had to work faster. Uh, and we just had to do more. And that made me really appreciate um, the work ethic that goes in. Um, and this, you know, after Danielle, every other job was so much easier. Wow. <laughs> and I do believe yeah. that to, you know, I'm a chef now. I, I train cooks and I um, have people working for me. The fact that I worked so hard at Danielle, um, I think allows me to push my cooks a little bit more, a little bit further, because I know that physically um, what I'm demanding of them is not impossible because I've already done it. (laughs) Right. Uh, And I do believe that the harder you work while you're under people, um, eventually you can push your workers a little bit further. I see. Hmm.
0: How is working at MASA different from Danielle?
1: So if, if MASA if Danielle taught me work ethic, mm-hmm. I think what Massa taught me was just uh, the the importance in in ingredients, importance in natural ingredients, importance in seasonal ingredients. Um, it's it's different when when you work at a kitchen where there are You know, 40 cooks, 40 chefs working um, for one restaurant. Um, And for such a large restaurant, you are only responsible for um, certain aspects, Mm -hmm. meaning, you know, just the vegetables on your uh, entree that goes with the meat, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not even the fish. So we had uh, Entremontier is sort of like the, the vegetable cook for an uh-huh. entree. But uh, at Danielle, because it was so big, we actually had a, an entrement for the fish entrees. And uh-huh. then we had an entrement for the meat entrees. So it's very, you know, you see a small picture of the big picture. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Masa, it was a very small restaurant. Mm-hmm. I think Masa itself seats 24 or oh, 28. Wow, so small. Yeah, and Bar Masa, which is uh, the same kitchen, um, it seats about 40. So um, I got to sort of learn almost everything and work with all the ingredients and look at the bigger picture. And one of the things, one of the reasons why masa is so expensive is because they get so many, almost all their ingredients from Japan. Uh, It gets flown in uh, several times a week. And of course it's always seasonal. Um, And a lot of the Japanese ingredients are very similar to Korean ingredients. The seasons are the same. Um, They're very close together. So, you know, not having worked at a Korean restaurant before, I did get to experience a lot of the ingredients that uh, goes into Korean cuisine
2: Mm.
1: while learning how to cook Japanese cuisine at Masa.
0: So after you've worked at a French restaurant and a Japanese restaurant. Why Mm. did you decide to open up a Korean restaurant?
1: Um, So that was actually kind of easy. Um, I was, you know, I, yeah, I worked, uh, I trained in a French culinary school. I interned at a couple of French restaurants. I worked at a French restaurant. um, The reason why I didn't continue with my French culinary trading was because, you know, there is a difference when a French man cooks French food than when a Korean man cooks French food. Because there, there is this pride. There is this, um, you know, as a chef, when you cook French food in the U.S., you are almost representing your culture, mm-hmm. your your history. Um, and there's there's a responsibility in that. And there is a certain amount of pride. It's almost like, you know, representing your country in, let's say, the Olympics or the World Cup. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't have that pride when I I was cooking at Danielle. And I didn't have that pride when I was cooking at Masa because I was not French. I was not Japanese. I wanted to experience that pride. Mm. Um, And another reason was one of the chefs who I I worked for... um, told me when I was ready to open up my restaurant um, the food itself should represent who you are meaning the guests should be able to see your food and sort of guess what kind of person you are Really, <laughs> and, and you know that, that 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 is so correct yeah um and for me as as much American influence I have in growing up I I still feel like my DNA is Korean. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) Even though you left at a very young age. Yeah. uh, Yeah.
1: I still feel like when I land at Incheon Airport, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I, I feel like uh, this is my hometown. Wow. Um, It's because my ancestors still live there, were born there, died there. Um, You know, I've been to Korea almost every year since I was, uh, since I left. So I was in tune with the culture. Right. Um,
0: your parents, uh, I mean, you, your, your mom mm. was very um, encouraging of you keeping up with the Korean culture. Um, when I was interviewing you for the book, you, you mm. told me that she wouldn't even respond to you when you spoke to her in English.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I went to a boarding school in England where I was the only Asian person in the whole entire town, not mm-hmm. just the school. Um, You know, growing up, there was discrimination. Um, It was, you know, for her, it was sad if somebody who looks Korean, who was born in Korea, no matter how long they have lived outside of Korea, couldn't speak Mm -hmm. the native tongue. So um, And that's why my mother sent me almost every summer vacation to Korea to every year relearn the language, to understand the culture. Um, And that's, you know, another reason why I think I started cooking Korean food with my restaurant because I knew that in New York, as good as a lot of the cuisines were, I thought Korean food was um, a little behind. Yeah. Yeah. And that... You know, when when you are a fine dining chef, when you cook at these expensive restaurants, you learn the importance of ingredients and and natural ingredients. And you don't want to cook with chemicals because you know it's bad for the body. You don't want to buy beef that has hormones, antibiotics that um, have chemicals inside. You don't want to use MSG to help things taste better just because it's cheating. There's there's no way something that can enhance something um, with no work right. is harmless. Mm-hmm. Um, and any kind of chemical that you consume, um, I believe is is unhealthy. And unfortunately, when you have restaurants being owned by not chefs, but business people who need to make money, they are going to buy the cheaper ingredients Mm -hmm. uh, that have chemicals in it Mm -hmm. uh, because, one, they don't know any better. Mm -hmm. uh, And two, it's, you know, as an owner, nobody really knows who the owners of the restaurants are.
2: So it's not their
1: reputation on the line. Whereas when it's a chef-owned restaurant, everybody knows the decisions that are made when buying certain ingredients, when using MSG, um, and it is a decision that your reputation uh, has to sort of fall back on, um, or the way your reputation is built, mm-hmm. and I think most chefs um, don't want to be known as a cheater right. by using MSG. Right. Um, and we we didn't have that mm-hmm. in in Korea, we, uh, in New York, we didn't have a, a chef that was cooking Korean food,
2: right?
1: Um, and I wanted to be the first one.
0: Yeah, and you are the first one. Mm. You know, since Tanji opened, you, you know, there's been many other um, Korean sort of more, I guess, fine dining like <laughs> types of uh, Korean restaurants. And 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 you know, I, I I see them and you know popping up everywhere. Mm. And and then I'm I'm thinking if you haven't done that. There, okay. I don't think it would exist. So, yeah.
1: So, so these people, these 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 people, uh, yeah. they're they're. Uh, I know all of them. Right. Uh, I I can't help myself, but to apologize to them every time I see them <laughs> because because uh, because of me, yeah. They happen to open up a restaurant in New York City. Right. And they're working hundred ten hours a week, <laughs> and not getting paid a lot of money. Um. It's it's a very very difficult profession. It's it's a very difficult career, and it's a career where if you think money is a factor, you cannot stay long because money is is not there to be made mm. uh, in cooking. It, it what it is. It's a it's a project of passion. I see. And and no matter how, if you have to put money into the restaurant. You're still going to do it because it is your passion Passion project. It is like a child that you don't give up on because he or she isn't perfect.
2: Right. Uh, and
1: that's what a restaurant is. And, you know, I try to tell people that when they come for advice, when they're opening up the restaurant, and every single one of them, the Oiji guys, you know, um, I told them how difficult it is. And, and uh, Atoboy, most recently, I, I told them there's just – no money there and, and but those guys, even with me saying, don't do it, don't do it, they still overcame that and then they did it. Mm-hmm. And that to me is the only way to go because no matter when, that's, that's what I did. You know, everybody said, no, what are you doing? Right. Are you crazy? Yeah. And that made me fight harder. Mm-hmm. And um, and hence Danji was born right. and it's still open and running well. I feel like I need to have that role with the younger cooks as well. I need to tell them, mm-hmm. "This is not easy." You know, it's something that you, you may regret, and if they keep, you know, do it anyway, um, I think over eventually that could help them because they have to fight harder. Mm-hmm. And those guys now know what I what I mean mm-hmm. or what I meant. Yeah. So, so, so we laugh it off. So
0: in the moments of, you know, when everyone's telling you, no, are you crazy? This is never going to work. Like, how do you get the courage to keep trying and keep fighting?
1: Because you believe in yourself.
2: I see. Because
1: you believe in your food. Yeah. Because you know that the food that you are cooking, nobody has done before. And it's, it's not just the menu item. You know, with Korean food, there are certain foods that Korean restaurants have to have. So it's not having a, a, a unique menu item, but making it so that it's different and better, in your opinion,
2: mm-hmm.
1: than anybody else's. Mm. For instance, you know, I put tteokbokki on Hanjan's menu.
0: Oh, I love that one.
1: <laughs> and the only reason yeah. why I put it on the menu is because I think mine is the best. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I
0: have to agree. And then I, I, as a tteokbokki lover, I've tasted many, many different kinds all my life and I think yours is the best
1: (laughs) 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 that's that's not why I said it (laughs) but but um it is it is that belief yeah it is that faith in yourself in that you have a story with your food that you want to share that you want to tell it's it's really like writing a book um nobody I think writes a book to, to become rich, right? You know? uh, yeah, there's um, no
0: money to be made there either. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> except a few authors, yeah, but mm-hmm. yeah.
1: But it is this story that they have mm-hmm. that's so unique, uh, and and they they want the privilege. To be able to tell it to a lot of people,
2: yeah,
1: uh, and and that is the gift of a book. Right. You have this author story that's unique, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's what a restaurant is. You have a, a chef-run restaurant. It's yeah. it's a unique vision of maybe food that you know everybody knows about, yeah. But it's the chef's way to make certain dishes mm-hmm. uh, a, a unique sort of. Um, kind of story that the chef has, Mm -hmm. that he tells through his food, Mm -hmm. through his menu.
0: So for people who have not been to Tanji and Hanjan, which Mm. is Hanjan you opened in 2012, um, Mm. tell us about it. (laughs)
1: Um, So, you know, it's tough to sort of describe my restaurants verbally, just because, Mm. like I said before, you know, I would rather have the food, I see. Uh, the service, the yeah. decor, the whole puniki, all right. of that. I would have rather have that tell the story mm-hmm. um, to describe what it is. But I will tell you the difference between Tanji and Hanja. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I opened Tanji,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I don't think I was as Korean as as I could have been. Meaning. I was very Korean American. Uh, I didn't speak the language very well. Even though I had visited Korea quite often, um, I never went there as a chef. So I created a restaurant that was very Korean American, that was very New York. I think the restaurant was more New York than Korean. Uh, The flavors in itself, I tried to make as authentic Korean flavors, but the whole restaurant, um, the, the, the inspiration, was a, a New York uh, a restaurant that non-Koreans could be comfortable with. I see. Um, but then after I opened Hanji, I, I studied and I researched a lot more uh, of Korean ingredients, Korean food. And I wanted to make the menu a lot more authentic, a lot more Korean ingredients driven. Um, and i just didn't have the space or the time or you know the 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 decor of tanji didn't go with the food that i wanted to make so um
0: i think it looks nice
1: <laughs> but it wasn't yeah. it's not as authentic
0: i see um, oh i see what you mean so yeah.
1: you know it really is you know like i said going back to the book
2: mm.
1: i had a different story to tell
2: mm. it
1: it you know i didn't work changing a chapter or two from my original book, uh, from my original story and restaurant. So I had a a, a unique, different, uh, more Korean story that I wanted to tell, and that's why Hanjan was born. Mm-hmm. Um, just the foundation is very different. One is very Korean-American. One is New York-inspired. Mm-hmm. The other one is not even Seoul-inspired. Mm-hmm. It's korean uh, 시골 <laughs> 시장 korean markets at, at these rural cities mm. rural towns um that's the the inspiration of the from you know of the menu at Hanjan.
0: i see do you have plans to open up a third restaurant
1: um <laughs> so yes but i can't talk about it i see okay yeah so we're it's for you it? know <laughs> because it's 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 a story that hasn't been written yet. I see. It's a story that I don't even know the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a story that has a start. Yeah. That that I have the inspiration. Yeah. Now I have to start writing it. So I can't really talk about it yet.
0: Because,
1: <laughs> you know, everything that I say probably will change.
0: I see. Well, we look forward to hearing about it and reading about it when you're ready to tell the story. So it must have been really challenging to, you know, start working as a chef, open up your own restaurants and opening up two restaurants. Um, what? When was the most difficult time for you?
1: Um, I think the most difficult time was when we finally opened Danji. Mm-hmm. Um, we opened in December
2: mm-hmm.
1: of 2009, and it was a very cold winter. Yeah. A very, very cold winter. And we couldn't afford PR.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: so we weren't in any of the magazines. People didn't even know we were open. Um, so we were not busy. Uh, we were very quiet. We didn't have much customers mm-hmm. the first four months. Um, and those four months were um, difficult because you had bills to pay.
2: Right. You had
1: people to pay. Um, you had I had just invested... Uh, everything that I had yeah. You know, we had My wife and I had raised money To put a down payment on the house And we used all of it um, And money wasn't coming in So um, You know, in a, in a financial sense It was very difficult yeah. But um, I had faith in my food My food was good mm-hmm. And the people who came to eat They would come back Um and that made me sort of uh, a little bit more reassured, mm-hmm. um, but then I also knew that good food doesn't always mean a successful business. Um, right. So, so you worry when you go to mm-hmm. sleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but fortunately, um, you know, we started getting busy. Mm-hmm. In, in april the media started highlighting us mm-hmm. um and since then it has become a very financially successful restaurant um so you know it's it's a lot of it is luck yeah um but you know even if you're lucky um, i think if you're not prepared mm-hmm. with the good food mm-hmm. um then that luck doesn't really go anywhere Mm-hmm. So I you know for me the the New York magazine um critic coming in was my sort of very um lucky situation. Right. Um but we had worked very hard while we were not busy we were always trying to improve the food. I
2: see. So the
1: first 4 months the fact that we weren't busy we had a lot of of a feedback from the customers, uh, feedback amongst each other uh, into making better food, improving our, our food and service.
2: Mm.
1: That when the critic did come, I think we were ready. Um, and luckily, um, they wrote actually a very glowing review. And that was the big start. Yeah, It was that one review from New York Magazine mm. that, then suddenly had all the other magazines coming, the newspapers coming. um, And, uh, you know, we were very fortunate.
0: Yeah. So you have, you've had such an illustrious career path and you are also working as a judge for MasterChef Korea. How was Mm -hmm. that like?
1: Um, A very interesting, Mm -hmm. fun experience. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Having had the opportunity to spend an extended amount of time in Korea Mm -hmm. uh, while being surrounded with people who are very interested in food, Uh, meeting people who um, they were so passionate with cooking um, but they didn't have the skills yet because it's an amateur competition. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it it, one, re-energized me. Uh, Two, reminded me that one of the reasons I love being a chef is is teaching people, uh-huh. uh, sharing my my experiences, um, you know, just sharing the mistakes that I've made, um, and and my philosophy that helped me with my success. Mm-hmm. All of that is a huge factor in in cooking, um, or or being a chef, and I embraced it and I loved. My time in Korea, learning more about the Korean uh, ingredients and and Korean food in general.
0: Yeah, is it? Do you sometimes see like your younger version of yourself in these
1: <laughs>
0: aspiring chefs? Um,
1: uh, I don't know. I I, I don't know. You know to be honest I, I i'm in a very unique <laughs> i have a very very unique story
0: right right um yeah i don't think anyone's quitting med school to become a chef <laughs> in korea just yet right <laughs> um we had some
1: um we had some we had a police uh policeman who wanted to quit we had a wow, an engineer mm-hmm. who wanted to um and you know, I, I still have a lot of emails and messages from people in Korea who tell me they hate what they're doing and they want to quit. Right. And for me, it's, I can't answer these emails. Mm-hmm. I can't respond because the the courage to quit, to give up everything that you've worked so hard mm-hmm. to attain and then start something new, it has to come from within.
2: That's
1: true. So if they're asking me, then you're not ready. (laughs) Right. Um, So, um, you know, I think when you're in a situation where you're confronting somebody and asking for reassurance of the decision that you're about to make, you're you're already um, very different than what I went through because I didn't have um, those questions.
0: I see
1: uh, So simple answer is no. <laughs> I have <laughs> not met anybody uh, who reminded me yeah, of yeah. myself.
0: Do you think that's something that can be learned, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: the persistence, the courage, um, the the will to not give up. Do you think that could that could <sighs> be learned or is that something we're born with?
1: Hmm. can
0: that be nurtured?
1: I think it's a combination of everything. I think you have to be in a situation where you're desperate. Right. Um, I think the definition of happiness Mm -hmm. you have to be sure with. Mm -hmm. um, Because everybody's definition of happiness is different. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: The definition of success Mm -hmm. is very different. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, happiness and success is so personal and individual um that I, I I believe you know these decisions it has to come from within, yeah,
2: uh,
1: and, and that's that's just you know, something that I learned yeah, looking back. Like, yeah. I didn't know that my decision came from within. I I was just trying to make the right decision for my future um and but I didn't ask anybody. Because who knows me more than me?
0: That is very wise. Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. And and who do I want to blame when it doesn't go well?
2: That's right.
1: I'd rather blame myself than yeah. anybody else. Right.
2: Right. Um.
1: So, you know, I feel like I don't know if this was courage. I don't know. It was if it was the way I was brought up. It I don't. It could have been the age that I was at because I wasn't young. Mm-hmm. Um. But being in a desperate situation, I think, um, I guess, helps <laughs> right. to to really concentrate yeah. on on what the right decision is for your
0: career. How old were you when you? I was thirty. Yeah. 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 So for most of the people, that's like, oh, you should already be kind of
1: yeah, yeah,
0: chosen a path already. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I think the world has changed now. Not it's no longer no longer live in a society where you just stick with one job and you just do it for the rest of your life and retire at sixty-five or sixty or fifty-five, you know?
2: Mm.
0: So yeah. So um throughout your career, you know, I have this belief and all the a lot of the successful people that I've met, not a single person has succeed on his or her own. So mm. who helps you to achieve your dreams?
1: Um I think everybody who works under me right now. Mm. Uh you know, I consider my team. Mm-hmm. um Just, you know, Danji and Hanjang can't be what it is without every single person who who works there. Right. And I'm just a very small factor now. <laughs> you know, I started it. It's yeah. my menu, yeah. but the execution isn't done by me because you know I teach the cooks how to cook. I teach the servers how to serve it. I. I make sure the servers know, mm-hmm. the customers know how to eat it. You know, it's it's every person really helps um, in executing my my vision,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, my story. That I have to be thankful for them yeah. to to making this um, this story come true. Because you know, otherwise it would just be a menu.
2: <laughs> right, right. You know,
1: I can write the menu and I can teach them how to cook it. But, you know, I can't cook for 150 people every day at both restaurants. So it is my team of cooks um, who make that menu uh, that I wrote up come alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is my servers who uh, actually help t- so that the customers um, can enjoy it to yeah. the
0: Seems like you are very passionate about training and teaching, um, you know, young people Mm. um, and also um, helping people in need. So I know you recently started a foundation in Korea called Yori Chansak, Mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So how did that come about?
1: Um, So, you know, growing up in New York, um, I have friends Mm -hmm. who were adopted In the 70s and the 80s. And a lot of Koreans Mm -hmm. were adopted by American families Mm -hmm. back then. Um, You know, I still have friends who are are chefs. Danny Bowen, Mission Chinese, uh, adopted Korean descent. Uh, And, you know... Back then, in in junior high and high school, I thought, you know, it's really great that these American families are giving these Korean children a a great opportunity, a loving family. Mm -hmm. But it would be so much easier for the child if the parents were Korean.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just
1: because, you know, we look like each other. And as loving as that family is, Mm -hmm. I would go to the theater and I would see uh a father a, a mother caucasian two mm-hmm. sons caucasian and one korean daughter um mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah so I, I you know i i thought that as a korean community a korean american community uh we should adopt more mm-hmm. of right. these children right so I discussed it with my wife before yeah. getting married. Right. And she was all for it.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: we had our son.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, he was about five. Uh, we had an extra bedroom in, yeah. in our apartment. So I suggested to my wife, you know, maybe this, it's the time to adopt yeah. uh, a little girl from Korea because mm-hmm. we have a son. Yeah. And she said, oh, okay, hold on. Let me think about it for a couple of days. Yeah. And I said, okay, sure. Um, and then a couple of days later, she said, you know, even with our own son, um, we we discipline him. Uh, and we get angry at him when he does uh, things.
0: As all parents do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And she every night she has so much guilt when he's going to sleep because she realizes it was just him being a four-year-old being a (laughs) five-year-old um so she says you know that guilt is is bearable but she has it i see but imagine that child isn't yours biologically
2: Mm
1: -hmm. imagine that child and, and most Korean orphans aren't really orphans. Uh, most of them are abandoned. So their parents are alive. Right. They just sh- can't take care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're raising a child whose parents are alive and having to discipline them like they're your own. Mm-hmm. And then feeling the guilt at night, having the factor that, you know, that child has parents. What if that parent knew,
2: oh.
1: you know, the way you were raising the child? Would they approve or
2: not? <laughs> I see.
1: Um, you know, it, it mm. was just this these factors where I think um, adopting was a lot more complex emotionally right. than I thought it was going to be. Um, so we decided to hold off Mm -hmm. until we were more emotionally ready. And then that um, led to a little bit of guilt because, you know, I grew up thinking I was going to help, help these orphan children. Um, So while I was feeling guilty, I was in Korea filming MasterChef Korea and I had a lot of time there because I don't have restaurants. I don't do business there. I was just Mm filming. Um, And, I started looking for organizations that helped um, orphan orphanages, orphan kids, Um, because there's so many in New York. We we do so much charity as a chef, as a restaurant. Um, But in Korea, none of the chefs did anything like that. It just wasn't cultural. Um, So, you know, and the ones that I asked, the chefs that I asked, they said, you know, why don't you go to a church? Uh, Because they're the ones usually doing that. And I thought, you know, it's different when a chef does it. Because there are unique ways where we can help uh, children. Mm -hmm. Um, So I decided to sort of do a little research. I visited some orphanages. I talked to the orphanage directors. And what I found out was Korean orphanages are pretty well run. Mm -hmm. The children are, are taken care of well. They're educated. They're fed well. Um, but the law is that at 18, they have to leave the orphanage
2: wow.
1: with a stipend of uh, $5,000. Well, Wubing Man. Um And the problem with that is at 18, these kids don't have any family to go to. Right. Some of them have lived most of their lives in that orphanage.
0: That's their family. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, they can't get jobs because they're orphans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's There's still this stigmatism of if you're an orphan, you didn't have parents who taught you stealing was wrong. So these kids can't even get jobs at a 7-Eleven. Um, they can't continue their education because you know, $5,000 doesn't even get them housing for a year.
2: Um,
1: So they're really sort of lost and on their own. Mm -hmm. And what happens is the girls turn into prostitution, uh, human trafficking, the boys turn into organized crime, because those are the organizations that give them sort of this pseudo family structure that they're yearning for. That's right. Uh, so it's it's just a very bad trap,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, a very bad cycle. And these directors, this one director told me, you know, what she really wants is for these kids to leave and to be proud of who they become. Mm-hmm. So they come back to visit.
0: Yeah.
1: She said most of the kids don't come back to visit because they're so ashamed of who they've become I and see. what they've become. Um, and within more research, I found out that these children, um, Korean children or Korean people who commit suicide between the age of 18 and 22,
2: mm-hmm.
1: four of five come from orphanages.
2: Oh,
1: wow. So, and four of five, meaning every five people that commit suicide between 18 and 22, four of them
2: mm-hmm.
1: came from an orphanage. Yeah. So it's it's not a system that prepares these children to succeed. No matter how well they're taken care of when they're in the system, they need help. So I found this, uh, I got a bunch of chefs Mm -hmm. and we created this Yori Chansa. Based on the the French uh, apprenticeship program, we take kids who are 16, 15, uh, we train them, teach them how to cook so that when they turn 18, and when they're about to leave, uh, they have a job waiting for them That's
2: at great. these restaurants. That's amazing.
1: Um, so, you know, we started this year. We have now eight chefs and restaurants mm-hmm. helping us. Um, and basically what we do now
2: mm.
1: is we go to the orphanage every Wednesday to cook a, a a very spectacular, spectacular meal. Because, you know, yeah. we realized as a chef, we became chefs because no matter how hard it is, we love food. Right. These kids don't love food yet. Right. They don't know what it means to love food. Yeah. So we thought it's more important that these kids understand and love to eat food.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So our first project in Yori Chanza is called Matnam. Matnam. Mat-nam. Mat-nam.
0: Because ah, we're introducing, yeah, yeah,
1: we're introducing them to food, right? Um, and you know that's one of the reasons why I do go to Korea quite often. Yeah. Um, it is my turn to cook uh, five times a year. Um, everybody yeah. takes turns, um, and plus I have so many chefs in Korea who are just doing this yeah. because they they feel like it, it'll help the society, uh, and they and they trusted me into. Yeah. Uh, committing to this project that, you know, I want to help them as much as possible too. So um, even when it's not my turn, I end up being in Korea and doing this with them.
0: That's amazing. So how can people find out about it? How could people get involved and help out?
1: Um, So far, you know, if you are a chef in Korea, if you work in the restaurant field, if you work at a restaurant, Mm -hmm. we're always looking for restaurants who... uh, is ready to take on a student to be their mentor Mm -hmm. uh, for them to intern at Mm -hmm. your restaurant Mm -hmm. on the weekends when they're 15, 16, for uh, them to learn how to be a cook um, at at your restaurant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you feel like that's something that you think is worth doing, then please contact me. Mm -hmm. Um, And also if not, uh, or if you, are living in the US, then we are always taking donations. Yeah, Uh, We have a GoFundMe page, uh, Huni Kim. And also, um, you can find more information at uh, www.yorichunsa.org, Y-O-R-I-C-H-U-N-S-A.
0: That's great. I hope many listeners will participate and support you. Thank you. So we're almost at time, and my last question, too, is you have achieved so many dreams and what is your next dream?
1: Hmm. Um you know, I, I feel like you're right. I have I am living a, a dream. Yes, you are. <laughs> I am very happy <laughs> with with um what I'm doing. Um and you know success is, is I'm living it. Yeah. Um, but I I don't think I ever really thought of living in a situation that I am living now.
0: Really? So you, the amount of success you've achieved, you, you didn't imagine it? No. No? No. Wow. I,
1: I always, my dream mm-hmm. in the beginning was cooking my food and people would be interested enough. To pay money, <laughs> right. to to eat my food, yeah. And I think that is most mm-hmm. chefs' dreams when they when they start. Um, and from there, I think I've achieved a lot more in yeah. in you know success, critical success, in 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 fame. But none of that I I really was looking for. Um, but. I'm glad that I was able to experience it and yeah. I'm still able to experience it. Um, and I'm I'm just enjoying that. I, I yeah. don't have, you know, I'm willing to work hard. I think the next thing that I want to do is, you're right, another restaurant that I'm yeah. willing, really willing to work hard at. But I'm not really thinking of what more happiness that's going to bring.
2: Yeah, You know,
1: it's just... Um, every restaurant is mm-hmm. is a new chapter,
2: yeah,
1: or a, a new book or a new story, mm-hmm. and um, you know I'm just very uh, fortunate enough to be in a situation where I can tell it. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Well, thank you. And um, where can people find you if they <laughs> want to contact you or follow you on Instagram or Facebook?
1: Um. Whoa. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> I guess Instagram would be somewhere I check the most. It's basically Huni Kim, Uh, and you know I'm most of the time in New York at Tanji or Hanjan in the kitchen, um, cooking and teaching, and sometimes drinking with customers. So that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the conversation, I would really appreciate it if you can subscribe and write a review for the podcast. It really helps me to spread the word. If you have any comments, I would love to hear from you. You can go to selinalee.co, that is C-E-L-I-N-A-L-E-E.co and leave me a message there. So thank you again and I'll be back soon with another episode.